So today we are so honored and privileged to have and be in the company of a young lady that has exhibited um, the strength and the fortitude and the innovation and the creativity that inspires me as well as so many in this country of the Bahamas. She has developed um, a home-based business that expands uh, across New Providence and is geared to expand across the islands of the Bahamas. If you have never tried Sugar Bahamas's sorbet and ice cream, you are missing out on one of the most wonderful, healthy treats that exists, not just in the Bahamas, but in the world. What is the wind beneath the wings of, ladies and gentlemen, Melissa Darville. <laughs> Thank you. What a beautiful introduction. <laughs> Melissa, so tell us something, tell us about you. Tell us about Melissa. Just give us an overview of the person. Um, of course, I am a perky, cheerful person. I love to meet people. I love to help. And I love to find out what your passion is in life. Um, I formerly was a teacher for 18 years. And now I'm following one of my dreams, which is ice cream and sorbet. <laughs> okay, Melissa. All right, so we hear about perky and fun, and that's all good. So that means you have a lot of energy. So tell us about that quirky thing that probably even a lot of family members don't really know about Melissa. I am. Um, I call myself a blogiver because I love machinery. I know how to use a skill saw. Um, I love drills. Um, when I was younger, my sister and I actually made the best go karts, even better than the boys. We had a two-seater, we had a front-back seat, we had the fastest, everything. So I, people wouldn't know that really about me, that I like to build stuff and I like mechanical things. Um, I can ride a motorcycle and um, I've rappelled down a four-story um, cliff in negative 30 degrees. So I, um, I may appear meek, but I love to shake it up a little bit. <laughs> so that means don't let the girly girl fool you. You know how to get in there and ride and have fun with the board. All right, so Melissa, tell us about Sugar Bahamas and tell us about your role in Sugar Bahamas. All right, my role, I am the marketer, I am the cook, the clean, the cleaner. I basically am the delivery guy, I'm the truck driver. Um, we um, created um, uh, a healthy treat. So really what was the problem was I didn't see um, any Bahamian ice cream in the grocery store. Even though it's part of our tradition, for Bahamians, Sunday is ice cream day. And almost everyone has a grandmother who makes salsa ice cream all the time. So why haven't we developed that to a level to have it um, in a, on a commercial basis and readily available whenever you want it? So we decided to come up and use the fruits that were available here and just shine that our culture and fruits that we love shine in another form. Because, you know, we have guava, but we, all, we, just, we do guava duff. So we said, let's try some guava sorbet. We have tamarind sauce. Let's try some tamarind sorbet. So we just wanted to create something that really represented our culture. And it really was a blessing to see that um, the Bahamians actually thought, accepted it. Because most people were like, what is sherbet? What is, you know, what is this? I say sorbet, it's just a, a non-dairy, it's just a non-dairy frozen dessert. Just give it a try. And then after they try it, they say, oh my goodness, this tastes just like a real thing. Yeah, it tastes like a real thing. And, and it's healthy. 
and we do it in small servings, so it's less than 100 calories. Um, it has all the nutritional fat, all the nutritional value that a regular food would have. So I'm pretty proud that we created something. Um, it was, I would say, not by accident, but by trying other things that weren't um, perceived as well. And then um, we fell upon the fruit, and we said, let's try it with this. So Shiva Bahamas represents truly something that is truly Bahamian because you spoke not just about the fact that the fruits and your ingredients are found in the Bahamas, but you spoke about our heritage and our legacy and our culture in terms of Grammy <laughs> making sour salt mm -hmm. ice cream and how we all remember Sunday drives yes. and how we remember Ice Cream Sunday and mm -hmm. Howard Johnson and all those fun yes. things. And so those you're talking about culture, you're talking about being homegrown, and then the win-win is that it's healthy. Yes. Because I think anything that, any business that opens now, we really have to think about you as a, like a global citizen. Don't create a product that is unhealthy. You know, but I don't want my kids to have things that are unhealthy. I don't want them to go out and just have junk food because it causes all sorts of health issues and everything. So why are we going to do that to ourselves when we just have to tweak it a little bit to make it something that benefits us? You know, we're looking out for the world now. We're looking out for ourselves. So you can't just make a product just for the profit. You have to also think innovation. How can I make something that's good and good for me? Yeah. So what I like, what I like about what you said was, you can't just think about the profit. You have to think about innovation. You, you, you're thinking about more than yourself. All right. So that means there's so much more behind the person of Melissa. All right, and what you're doing. So we understand that a journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. So we see you today, and someone like me, very much impressed um, by the quality of your product but very much impressed by your entrepreneurial spirit, the way I see you go for what you believe in, how I see you always productive and encouraging, and there is so much that I admire, but I know the person of Melissa didn't start today. So tell us a little bit about Melissa the child. Tell us a little bit about Melissa the child and the adolescent. Hmm, the child, I actually was a learner in primary school. It was myself and two other little girls. I never was the type of person who followed the ringleader. So we, I never played with the group. You know, they would have a time in school, everyone played jump rope, everyone played hula or something. And they would come to me, you need to come and play with us. And I'd be like, hmm, I think we're going to have more fun if we just play by ourselves. So from primary school, I had my two little friends. We'd go underneath a cool tree, open up our lunch tins and have a picnic. And we were fine with that. I, I never wanted to belong to the group, even as a child. So for you, from childhood, you dare to be different. It was okay for you to be unique, be your, and I hear a tone of leadership also as you spoke. And also, um, I think nurturing because my best friend, she was a Caucasian girl from England. Her parents were here to work, you know, what do we want to play with her? And then the other girl, she was a chubby girl and she was from America and nobody really wanted to play with her. So we were like the outsiders. You all were the wrong right? We were like the outsiders and so, <laughs> and, and, we, and we had the most fun. And they would look at us, what are they doing? But we were having the most fun. So um, I find too um, that I can associate and I, with you with that because I was a person, as much as I was considered to be popular because of the things I did, I always kind of migrated towards the people who were less popular. I wanted to talk with them. I wanted to know what was on their mind. I wanted them to feel included. And so I, I, I see that as a way of being an encourager. You just have that thing about you 
um, the persons that, like you say, may not have been necessarily embraced, you embrace them, mm-hmm. and happily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. So, Melissa, I understand that you are also an athlete. Oh, yeah, I used to run track and field, 100 to 200 hurdles. <laughs> um, and I still run now, but not, not quickly. <laughs> I do a jog walk, so every morning, I do five miles every morning. So when you were um, in that zone um, of your development and doing the 1 and 200, which are some of the most taxing and demanding races, uh, what did you do in, for training? How, how did you train? And do you feel as if that mindset that you brought to training back then um, has in any way impacted you as a person enough and what you bring to your business? I wonder because I really um, don't think my parents did the best that they could do with my training because even though I was quick, I didn't have stamina. And that was just because my mother was hesitant to let me um, join a training club because of all the stereotypes. She just didn't want me out early in the morning running on the beach. She just didn't want that. So actually, I had an issue because, like, you did ballet. I did ballet, tap, and gymnastics as well. And so I had a problem because when my body started to change for track and field with the muscles, my ballet teacher told me, you need to make a choice because you can't have these type of muscles and do ballet. So I was sort of like a cross trainer. So all day Saturday from morning till night, I did ballet, tap, and gymnastics. And then during the week, I would do track and field. So I had to choose. I chose track and field. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of the training, um, so you had, because you didn't join a club, or you were I think I wasn't club. prepared enough, so I was never able to really elevate to another level. So it forced me actually to just focus on my academics. So that really changed. The real shift in my whole life that made the Lisa now is actually I left school in 11th grade. I left St. Dustin's, and my mom sent me to boarding school in Toronto. And all girls, and I was. I was like, no, boys? what? What, what you going to do in that school? But actually, that was the first time that I had girls as friends. That was the first time that I had teachers who actually we loved. And the teachers would be like, no, you're going to come to my house on the weekend and we're going to go over this book. We're going to discuss this. I'm like, you're going to the teacher's house? They're like, yeah, we like the teacher. Having teachers and having to have teachers embrace me and having to see students that actually liked teachers and liked going to school changed my whole life. So I, that's the first time when I went, when I was in school here, I was just a C student because for me, here I was, I did sports, and I did lip gloss, I did eyeliner, and I did the bare minimum of work because that was all I had to do. And when I went there, the girls were like, um, we're not, I sat there, the first day I sat down next to the, one of the black girls in the class, was mostly all multi-racial, and I sat down to the black girl, and I was just like, yeah, so this, and she looked at me, she said, we don't talk in class. And I was just like, what? what am I going to do here? And because they showed me the way, I had to get my act together. And that was the first time that I was on the honor roll. And from that first semester when I left, I was on the honor roll and principal's list every day. When I went to college, I was on the principal's list. I was on the honor roll. I graduated from summa cum laude. And if I didn't leave this situation and how I was presenting myself in the Bahamas, I wouldn't have become myself. So your peers were a great influence to you at that time. That's amazing. So, so shifting my community, shifting my community, and shifting the friends, yes. and putting me with people who were had higher goals, yes. changed me. So environments are very important. That's and that's you know some of the choices I've made in my life with when I choose places for my kids to be. The environment they're in makes a difference. So tell me, who are some of the other people that also influenced Melissa 
in your in your formative and developmental well, just throughout life. I've always gravitated to older people. So somehow there's something about me that you sit at the footstools of, of wisdom, and that's what I've always done. So when I went to college, I always gravitated to all of the professors, and I went to them anytime office hours. People would be like, office hours? I'm going to no. I would go to them and I would talk yes. and because I just wanted to learn things. I just wanted to know. And so I always gravitated to the more mature and to the wiser person because I already had made a shift in my mind that I didn't like um, fickle things and fickle conversations. And that changed me. That's where I think the whole seeking the, you know, your better self, all of that started. I was actually going to major in philosophy. <laughs> yes, but I was just like, um, what job will I get? <laughs> that was actually a good question. Yes. <laughs> well, you probably read many books. So what are some of the wisdom keys or warnings do you feel um, you got from those who influence you most? I think I came up with my own set of, I'm like a rule person. So when I learn something, you know, you could learn in life, you learn the hard way, or you can listen and just <laughs> accept that rule, or you can go through the same thing several times and learn the hard way. Yes. So I'm the type of person I had like rules. So I'd have a certain thing that I know. So one of my rules is like, never borrow something that you can't pay back. So, and I made that, and I learned that the hard way. So I'm just like, don't borrow things. So if something was too expensive and someone wanted to, oh no, you could borrow my this. And I look at it, if I break it, I can't buy that back. So no thanks. And so I, as I grew, I just learned different things. Like, um, let me see what else I, I just, um, I don't like to be in a large group when things get too boisterous. Because I learned whenever things get too loud and too hyper, trouble happens. So if I see a party or a situation getting too rhombus, I would I I leave. So you have um, certain views and rules, like you said, for your life for my life that guard you and set you on certain yes. paths. And I always if I break a rule, I usually see the consequences of it instantly and I say, ah, see, you should have stuck to that rule. So you would consider Melissa to be a disciplined person. Yes, I'm disciplined. Okay, so when you were done with your formal education and boarding school, what was your ambition for yourself? What was your vision? What did you think you would do leaving? Oh, well, I actually wanted to write children's books, but I couldn't see the path to that. And so I said, okay, well, the nearest thing, um, I went into primary education. And then when I went in there, the professors and everyone liked me, they said, you need to go into education leadership. So I started some education leadership classes to become a, a vice principal. And while I was in that class, I realized that I wanted to open my own school. I realized that I would not be the type of person who could be in administration and follow all of, even though I'm a rule person, yes. and just live my life by following these rules and putting things in place that other people came up with. I, from then, I started a little sketchbook of I wanted my own school. But I didn't know if I wanted a preschool or I wanted a remedial center. So what I did was, after um, my classes, um, my um, grad classes, I would go to any type of government um, te um, retreat or any type of class that they were offering about opening a business. So I did the full training for opening a preschool, got all the certifications, got all the manuals, and so I was certified to be able to open a preschool. I went to NOVA and I did zero to three education um, so that if I wanted to do the nursery with babies, I'd be certified for that. And because I still wasn't making, I didn't make up my mind. Then I took a job at Sylvan because the, you know Sylvan does remedial and tutoring. I took a job there. I wanted to be a teacher. And 
funny thing is, I applied for the teacher's position. After she spoke with me, she said, no, you, I think you'd be better suited for assistant director of education. I was like, what? <laughs> and so when I got that job, I, my job was interviewing teachers to hire them for the positions. I would test the children when they came in and write their um, education plans for them, dealing with customers. So I, when I got onto that job, I was in charge of all the staff and making the education plans for the children just underneath the director. And I never dreamt that. And that actually gave me the, the training that I needed to do what I did when I ended up coming home. Yes. So that showed me, so, so when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I did, I worked, and I, you know, I studied in those areas to see what would be best suited. And I think that's something that we need to do, because sometimes we may think, I want to do this career, but if you don't, you should work in it first and see if it's suited for you. Because in working at Sylvan, I realized that I don't really want to do the nursery. I'd rather do help children. I'd rather do that. Because there are enough nurseries. I want to do the Montessori. I said there are enough nurseries and those kids are pretty much taken care of. But it's this demographic that needs the help. I think that is definitely a wisdom key for myself and for other aspirant entrepreneurs out there and business owners. If you want to make such a, a major decision in your life, um, as you were doing in terms of deciding your career, you knew you wanted to do something that you needed to pinpoint exactly what form that would take. And you're saying that it is important to investigate that. It's mm -hmm. important to get in certain environments as opposed to uh, just assuming that, oh, well, this looks fun, this looks like, you don't know the ins and outs of it, and then you invest. You may even go to a course, go to school for it, then you do it, and then you decide, I don't love it. And so you're saying, actually, put in the time. Yeah. Take time and, and investigate. Yes. And that is definitely a wisdom key for someone who is now deciding, let's say, uh, they want to do something in marine and, uh, and fisheries. There's so many different aspects they can do. So they need to actually go out on a boat, go, maybe go into a, a place that sells fishing equipment mm -hmm. and just try, try out the different yeah. areas and the, and the possibilities. Yeah. So thank you for that. So Melissa, you said that when you started working in the school system, you knew that following other person's rules and their structure and their format wasn't something you could continue to do. Yeah. Obviously you had ideas. Obviously you thought you had something different that you could bring to the table. Um, so, did you always have, because that's an entrepreneurial spirit. So, Melissa, do you, would you say that you always had an entrepreneurial spirit, or was that something that just came, that ambition just happened in that moment, or did you always just thought you wanted your own sort of business? I think, um, well, I just learned a term this week, it was, there's entrepreneur and there's intrapreneur. Now, intrapreneur is a person who joins an organization or works within an organization and makes changes within that, and that's what I was before. Because the jobs that I had previously, I was never content to just do what they said. <laughs> and that's a little bit of a rebel in me. But I always look at things and see how it could be improved. So I, when I, I took a job with, um, as a computer instructor. And so I said, okay, I can start a newspaper. And so I started a newspaper with the kids. And I started a website with the kids. And I started different clubs. And I started, I said, I started a book club. I said, okay, now book club is fine. So now what we're going to do is we're going to order wholesale books. And we're going to sell the books. And then we're going to use that profit for something for the school. Then I said, like, okay, we need a color laser printer. So I said, okay, let's do this. So I had the, that's when um, City Market was open. I had every, all the students were bringing in the City Market stamps. And we actually got 
Amory the Amory. We went there and we were able to buy a color laser printer for the school just off of stamps. So I've always been that type of person to look at a situation and say, what do we need? How can I bring something I noticed that when I work the spirit? There has to be a person in each institution that brings the spirit out. Because if you don't have someone that has like the, the spirit of the place, things start to fall apart. And so wherever I go, I try to look and see what's missing and how I can contribute. Or if there's some type of, um, I think I'm a little bit of empath. So I try to see who's hurting and who needs attention. And that's what I focus my energy on. So I'm, I've never been the type of person to just come in 9 to 5 or 8 to 3 and just do my job. And I really honestly didn't understand people who do that. Because I'm like, you have so much more to give. And that's how I always felt. I felt, I have so much in me. It's like, it's like a seed. It's like, I have so much in me. Why would I not share it? Yes. Why would I not share it? You're already here. Just share it. And help someone else. And so in, in saying that, being here and having all this potential, um, you feel as if it was uh, almost necessary to share. Like that's a part of purpose. I'm, I'm thinking. Yes, I, I couldn't not do it. This, the choices that I've made in my life, I don't regret because it, there were situations where I couldn't not do it. And what I heard from you a lot too was um, solutions. You seem to be a solutions person. Do you find that that trait is, is very important for you as a business owner? It is. Because if you are the type of person who always waits for someone else to solve your problems, you're not going to make it in a small business. Because a small business owner, you have to know everything about the ins and outs. There's not a marketing department that can go and solve your problem. You can't go to human resources to deal with someone else. You are, in, in the beginning of a small business, you are everything. So you have to know how to see situations and solve those problems in a professional manner. Okay. So when someone is investigating whether or not they should consider business becoming a business owner and they want to be honest with themselves, they may have something they see and, and maybe kind of be excited about it, but to be honest with yourself, Another key is to look within yourself and decide, how do I feel about challenges? So you would say if someone has a difficulty handling challenges and they find that in those type of environments, they can they become very frustrated, they become anxious. I, it sounds to me as if one of your wisdom keys would be that maybe entrepreneurship is not necessarily, or business ownership is not necessarily the path. Maybe not, because what I know is that if you develop as a person, you can be, your business is only going to be as good as you are as a developed person. And becoming a developed person is everyone's path. So if you are not able to cope with pressures as yet, if you do get frustrated with people, fix that. Don't let that stop you from being an entrepreneur because that's something you need to fix anyway. Because you need to evolve as a person. And I surely know that because you think about people who have addictions and if you have an addiction and you have a business, it's going to cause your business to fail. If you have social problems and you can't get along with people, you start a business, your business is going to fail. If you can't speak up for yourself and you're a pushover, your business is going to fail. But these are things that would make you fail in life anyway. So fix yourself and then you can start your business. Entrepreneurship is for everyone because I think that's the gift from, 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 from Eden. 
you, we were given a way to make a living for ourselves. Everyone has been blessed with a gift that they could give to the world. It's like, you know, like a, like a collage. First, it looks like graffiti. But if everyone does their part, it could melt into a beautiful picture. But we have to fix ourselves. So don't run away from entrepreneurship. Do not run away from your talent because you don't have the courage to fix yourself. Fix yourself. That is phenomenal. That just dropped like a boulder into my herring and into my life now because that definitely is not going to leave me. We are only, our business can only be as good as we are developed within yes. ourselves or that we allow ourselves to develop. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. What are some of the rewards and what are some of the challenges? Challenges, finances, because whereas when you work for someone, every two weeks or every week you are sure of your salary. With a small business, you, your salary comes with how much effort you put into it and also the cycle of your expenses. So even though you may make a lot of money this week, this is the same time that BPL knocks. This is the same time that the insurance is due. So you may not have this week, but you may have another week. So the thing is you have to really know how to balance and um, average your money. So be careful during good times and don't waste the money because the slow times are going to come. So times are going to come. So that's the challenges. What are the rewards of being a business owner? The reward for me is just that I can be my own person. Like sometimes I go and I talk to my friends and it's like, this happened to me at work and this happened to me at work and this person talked down to me. And so I have that. I'm just like, hmm. Even though I may have conflicts sometimes working with clients, I don't have to sit in it. Yes. I can leave. Yes. So sometimes I think the benefit would be to have having your... Um, emancipation would be yes. my word. Yes. I feel free. I feel free. I don't feel as if I cannot, if I speak up for myself, I will not have money. And that's like a burden that is put, not all institutions do it, but some institutions do it. If you speak up or you, you, you show up too much, you, your, your finances are at risk. And so a lot of people, we can't, we can't do that. And that's really uh, like a hobble on you. And I think that's really affecting our men and the society too because how good can you feel about yourself and how manly can you feel about yourself when you go to work, someone is hobbling you and you can't speak up as yourself. And you have to do it for the sake of the yes, right. And you've been liberated from that yes, because you are a business owner. Yes. I think um, that experience and that reward would be well worth it for so many because uh, I think a lot of people don't realize the impact that uh, that type of uh, atmosphere and that type of working condition can bring to to individuals as a whole in right. terms of health, health, emotional health, mm -hmm. mental health. So uh, that 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 is definitely something to consider when we consider should we should we make the plunge for some of us to get into our own business. It may be the difference between our health mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and and and. You know, maybe who knows, right? And you really shouldn't sit in something if it's uncomfortable, whether it's work or whether it's your personal life. If you feel that you're not um, being respected, if you feel you know that you're not being valued, you should. You have the right to speak up for yourself. You have the right to change your situation. Now, you, you're not going to do it in a rash way to burn your bridges. That would be irresponsible. Um, but you start to find a way out. 
start to put those little savings aside, start that little business on the side, start ordering something and selling that on the side until that's enough. Because that's what I did. I didn't just jump out and start. I, I had a job and I did my tutoring on the side, collected my money, saved up, and, and that's what I had to do because you have to be responsible in it. Don't just jump without a net. I um, decided that I just couldn't. It, the, the yearning in me to make a difference and the, and the ideas that I had, I felt were being caged and I had no choice but to try it. And so you said that you still went through the process of saving. Yes, for and about two years. Before that, previously, I had been saving and building. And I already had an established afternoon business. Did you have any responsibilities in terms of family, kids, anything at that time? Or were you still at that point where you could make a leap? Well, it was, I, it was easy then. I just had one child then. Um, and when I started my first business, I, that's when I actually had, when we talk about health and stress, I was actually relaxed enough during my first business to get pregnant and have my daughter. Beautiful, beautiful. So how do you handle, as a business owner now, we're bringing all of knowing and understanding with Lisa and some of the things that have impacted how you uh, think and, and, how, and how you have uh, been groomed throughout the course of your years. How, how then, now coming into business, how do you handle day-to-day -day the no's? That, 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 that happen in the journey? How do you handle rejection? How do you handle, because every day isn't sunny, mm -hmm. how do you handle when, um, when you're misunderstood? How does Melissa handle that type of challenge? If there's a lot of rejection and there's a lot of noise in being a small business. So what you have to understand, one of my girlfriends, she says, no is next option. So you gotta put that in. Like, okay, your answer is no. And then another rule I have is, Keep asking until you get a yes, because you only need one yes. And I also another rule I have is I go above. So you may not understand what my vision is, so I usually go a step above, and then I try my option again, because sometimes people tell you no, because they don't actually have the power to tell you yes. So you just keep asking. And like with rejection, you have to be sure about yourself. Now, rejection is a, is, is a two-way thing because sometimes it could be telling you that the idea is not good. Rejection is actually almost like a, a double um, sword because you have to listen to people when they tell you sometimes because sometimes it means that you're going in the wrong direction. There's not a market for that. It's not feasible. You can't make money with that. So sometimes you have to listen to the rejection because it's actually directing you to another path. And that's actually what happened with us because we are sugar cream ice cream and now we make sorbet. Because we found out that the gelato that we wanted to make, it melts too easily. So we fell upon sorbet. So sometimes the rejection that you get actually directs you to your true path. So, and then on the flip side of it, you have to be secure about yourself enough so that you understand when it's the rejection should be listened to because it comes from wisdom or Otherwise, I see. So a little discernment in there. Now, Melissa, what I want to ask you is, um, this is a small business, as much as we see your productivity out there. Um, but I'm sure that a lot of it, like you said in the beginning, you're the delivery guy, you're the cleanup person, um, you, you, you're the manufacturer, you do so much. How does it make you feel, and how do you cope with it when you have to do it alone? It's difficult sometimes because I feel I shouldn't have this burden, 
but also I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I say to myself, you only have to do this this amount of time until you get to this point, and then you'll have some some um, give some leeway. And it actually happens because usually times when I really get overwhelmed, usually help comes right away. Usually help comes. So you just have to um, have you have to go for me. I have a, a deep spiritual life, so I, I I trust a lot. And when I do feel overwhelmed, sometimes I just put the phone on silent or do not respond, and I rest. You have to, I give myself the time to rest. Wow. You have to be forgiven to yourself because sometimes I say, you can slay a dragon today, but you can't slay two. You know, some days you're going to be wild and fair, so some days you're not. So you just have to go with the cycle of everything and just trust that it's all going to work out. So there is so much. I think if we try to actually take every piece of wisdom that, you, that you're speaking about, we'll be like, what did you say? What did you say? And try to get it all. But at the, at, the, at the background of it all, it's quite positive. And then you, you kind of just rolled past something quickly just now. You said you have a deep spiritual life. Mm -hmm. And so I guess what would sum it all up is that that is the reason why you're able to deal with, whether it's the rejection, whether it is doing it alone, whether it's dealing with overwhelm, whether it is feeling worn and tired, which could lead to that type of frustration and depression. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, it's your spiritual life that you would say that actually helps you to... Yes, it is. And with my... I, this is my, I'm on my second Bible for this business. My first business, the Bible is to pieces. Because I go through... I Proverbs is my thing. Proverbs and Sirach. Psalms. I go through this and I pray and I pray and I pray and I pray and I pray. And then there's a lot of wisdom in there. And people like overlook that, but there's a lot of wisdom in there and rules. Like one of the rules they have that suits business, don't go to sleep if you have someone's wages. If you are able to pay someone their wages, don't go to sleep with that. And that's something, that's the behaviors, that's the big thing for us. If you have enough money to pay the person, pay the person. Oh, wow. <laughs> Do you know how phenomenal that is? Because some people would not have that level, level of character and integrity. And so you shine as a person of integrity and character and we don't know the wind behind that. And so now you're giving us a glimpse of the wind behind it. You have some wisdom that you've gleaned from that spiritual source. And so many behaviors would want to work for you. I don't want to work for you. It's just not me. So thank you. Love it. Which is important. And you will. Do you ever, and I, this is almost a redundant question after having said that, but do you, have you, do you ever, or does thought ever occur that maybe you will not succeed, maybe this business will not, was a false start somehow? That's a beautiful question, because I realize now that it's actually not about my business, but it's about creating a platform and creating the energy to share me. In the whole vein, but not really, because it's not really me that I really want to shine. I have to give glory to God, because He gave me this talent. He made these things possible. The things, the doors that are opening for me, the opportunities that are coming to me, are not from my power. Because I'm like, I'm not even a chef. <laughs> I'm a teacher. I'm not even a chef. But the recipe came to me. So it's not really so. Success really is what is success. So I, I truly believe because I, you know, I want to go worldwide, I want to be global, so I believe that it will. But I also have accepted that it's not about me and it's not really about Shiva, but it's meeting the people 
while I'm working. Because I get, even like um, when, I, when I taught, I, my school was right in the same um, place. Uh, people came to me and I was only able to share myself and my knowledge and my love with people that came in these walls. But now, I get to go all over the place. I get to go in every store and talk to people and that's my favorite part of the job. So when I deliver, I talk to the store owners, I get to cheer them up, they get to give me some wisdom, I get to meet the, the stock boys, I get to encourage them and ask them, you and you in college? And I talk, and they talk to me. My brother always says, how do people share so much with you? I said, I don't know. But I, I, I try to look into a person and see what, what they want. So if I see a boy stock on the shelves, I'll be like, so what you like? What's your dream? And he'll be like, oh, then I really want to do this and I have this. I said, well, why don't you do it? Well, I didn't do that. And if they'll come back to me later, actually when I go into source, the stock boys will be like, on the side, they'll be like, let me tell you, I did do that to you. I did do that and I did that. And, da, 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 da. and you'd be like, people would be like, how do you know these little boys? I'd be like, no, because that's part of my job that I like. Because I get to meet people everywhere and I get to encourage them. And that's what it's all about. Because we always say with, with shiver, shiver, um, you're sharing smiles. And one lady came to my house. She came, because you're on Google Maps, you can find this. She came and she said, I just have to tell you, you must pray all day. Because every time I eat the shiver, I feel like God in me. I was like, actually, I do. I said, I pray the whole time I'm scooping. I said, I do. I said, when I get in here, I do the sign of the cross. When I come in here, I bless the equipment. I pray while I'm working. And I just said, I want this. I, and that's really something I really, like, in my little secret to myself, it's just like, this is like love. So I want people to feel the love when they eat the sorbet. Stay tuned. More life-changing conversation ahead on The Win to Win. But now, a word from our sponsors. Your video commercial ad is the real money maker behind your business. It grabs the attention of potential customers, delivers your message, and points them to your location. Is your business missing this essential asset and increased sales because of the extremely high cost of video commercial production? Here's your game changer. The Win to Win Production Services introduces the smart solution for professional quality video commercials delivered quickly and easily. 2x2 two two delivers your video commercial ad in two days at only $200. Efficient and affordable. Call or WhatsApp us today to secure your production spot at 242-428-7310. This amazing offer is for a limited time only. So call today, 242-428-7310. Two by two. Watch your customers and sales grow. The Win to Win wishes to thank all of our sponsors. And now, let's get in and stay in our winning zone with more of The Win to Win. You spoke about that you feel as if it's not necessarily about sugar. This is sugar now, this is sugar season, and it definitely is. And I believe sugar will, will be here forever and will just keep growing. But at the same time, you are open to the fact that God may just decide to, to, to use whatever he chooses for mm -hmm. your life. Because the whole thing is there's something he obviously has invested in you. Mm -hmm. And you're sure of that. 
and and you feel as if this is just a tool then, yeah. so that God can get what He has invested in you in this wisdom, in all the times that you have bothered to learn His way, to take on His mindset, and so now you are you have been formed by the words and the rules and and so and experience, and so this now is something God has packaged in you. You know, we talk about the gift, mm-hmm. and, and, and the word says that your gift will make room for you. And so, now God has packaged some wonderful things, and we're hearing it even in this conversation. All the wisdom you're dropping, all that's packaged in you. And so, what we need to understand then, even as we consider what business avenue we're going to take, it's really about what is packaged in us. Because whatever that business is, we're going to touch people. Mm-hmm. If we're an accountant, we're going to touch people. If we decide we want to uh, clean the arts, we're going to have to relate to people. Yes. And so it's really about every time we make connection yes. with our clients. It's about the connection. <laughs> yeah. Because people will give you, depending on your relationship with them. Because sometimes I've heard a question, who do you know? And I have like my quick answer. I'm just, I, I, I say my name, I know Jesus. <laughs> That's my quick answer. But people want to know, who do you know? How did you get this? Who do you know? But it's not about who I know. It's that when I meet a person, I give people respect and dignity and I actually listen to them and I try to feel their pain. That's why people like me. And they'll be like, who do you know? It's not who I know. It's that when I go into an office, you know, sometimes they'll be like, why are you talking to security? Don't give them none of that. And I always carry my little extra bag and I pass it down on the side. And they'll be like, oh, you're trying to tip people. No, I'm not trying to tip people. But I know he feels overlooked. Yes, and you, and you I know he feels overlooked and I'm seeing it. Yes. I'm seeing it. And so, and, and so this is what I do. I make relationships with people. I listen to people. Because you never know what happens when, you know, you have a flat tire in the night somewhere. You think only the, the important people are going to stop for you? Then actually the people who are not going to stop for you. Yes. You have to talk to everyone because everyone has the same amount of life breath. No one has more life breath than the other person. You are not worth more than anyone else depending on your job because God gave you both. Poor and rich, it comes from God. And everyone has their, their, their blessing. So you can't, you know, so that's with me. So, and, I, and I get that. Who do you know? It's not who I know. It's how I know people. Yes. I get to know people. You found people. Yes. You found and, and some people, they don't, they don't want to do that. But then they want what you have. You can't want, you can't have the relationship I have with people unless you change and open yourself up to it. And we have to be willing to do that. And that's, you know, um, emptying yourself of your pride. And so, wow, that whole idea of character, it seems as if that is an important feature or aspect of this business ownership. Um, a lot of us, when we sit down, we talk about writing business plans, which we should. Um, we talk about forecasts. We talk about uh, what, what, how, how many uh, supplies we're going to need, what amount of supplies, and what will the bills be like, what will the utilities be like. And I don't think when we're writing business plans, we think about the asset of character, the asset of people. You know, and and how much that will affect your bottom line, and and so I think as we begin to really take a hold of how this business really becomes successful, and we ask ourselves these questions, even if we never put it on paper, as we go into entrepreneurship and business ownership, I think we better really take a record and take a check 
of how much character and how much we and how we connect with people uh, in the journey is really going to impact that bottom line even more than how much something costs. So thank you again. Now let's talk business. COVID nineteen, global pandemic, locked away in our homes. Everything has changed. Uh, whether it's good, bad, or in between. Uh, what was a day in the life of Melissa and Shiva Bahamas like last year? Last year, everything was going smoothly. We had schools were rolling out with sorbet. Um, the hotels were rolling out with sorbet. We're getting some people from the tourist market. Everything was rolling smoothly. And then hotels closed. <laughs> so tell us so about the day in the life now. Now, I had to iterate which is not a pivot, it changed full direction. I had to refocus the energy. So whereas we're focusing on um, large sales and ho large wholesale selling by the pallet, now we had to activate those sleeper sales that we had. Luckily, we had already purchased um, some um, custom freezers. So now all we had to do was get those out so that we could get to the stores that were essential, have our freezers in there, and so people can still get access to the product. I mean, sales went really down, um, but we were still we're still able to be open. So I'm I'm grateful for that. But it also allowed us to test that theory that we had because we didn't really start with the um, custom freezers yet because we didn't really have to because we were so busy with the hotels and everything else. So we were able to actually have energy and focus to build that market now and actually reach the local people. We could reach more people now because now it has more access and people have more access to it. So what would you say to the entrepreneur that's sitting down with a child and plumbing the cost for their business and at some point we come to that question where we decide, do we want to target the big businesses, the hotels, um, you know, just the big corporations and entities, or do we want to kind of deal with what we call the small man? The, the average person, um, the daily consumer, and it may mean making less money, more quantity. Um, if you had to kind of think about that and balance that in now thinking about how you had to, mm -hmm. how you made a, a, a focus shift towards that, that uh, why they call it that demographic of consumers. Do you think that it is important that all entrepreneurs necessarily uh, always have a factor that considers that demographic of consumers. Anything can happen. So my suggestion would be always have your playing field broad because something may happen and then now small stores may close and you know you'd only have the corporate. Something might happen with, a, with another situation. So try to get as broad of a client base as you can because to protect yourself. So if something happens. So even though it, it seems easier because you say you want the lump sum money dealing with, with corporate clients, still focus on the smaller clients because what happens if that shuts down? You know, you want people to be like, oh, now you remember us. No, always keep things balanced. Yes. So even though you're going to have to have, have weight on one thing or you know something's going to be weighted a little heavier, still have your scope a little broad to protect yourself. And what were what was um, in your mind? When, when things actually started to happen. Like, like, this is hindsight, but when you were looking for, you didn't know what was happening. People were dying. I mean, things were just unfamiliar, this unfamiliar territory. This is your business. 
you have a family, this I care for your family. So you don't really know what was next. What did what was that conversation? Because I've heard you said already, I spoke to myself and I told myself, what was the conversation you had with yourself to to fortify you? I actually didn't panic. I'm not that type. Because I um, in my life I've been to the bottom. So once you have been to the bottom before, when you see things happening, you already have the confidence in yourself that you could build yourself back up. So I, I really wasn't really worried about it. So because I already knew, because I, I have my worst case scenario, and I actually told my children, I said, if things go bad, power gets turned off and everything, we just go by mommy. So everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. So I, had a back, I already had worst case scenario, that's what we're gonna do. And for me, once I have, I know what my core is, see? Now some people don't have that. And I know my core, having my children with me. Once my children are with me, I'm fine. If we have two slices of bread, we have to cut that up into pieces, we're still together. And that's all that matters to me. So I know that is where my base is. So I can't take any of this with you anyway. Let's, let's dive way into what you're saying, right here. First of all, you said something, uh, you shared something, you said you already hit what is the bottom. And a lot of us, or a lot of people, when they hit the bottom, um, it remains a scar that they hide and they are continually um, in a place of regret or shame or they're stuck because they can't seem to get over whatever bottom was. But for you, you have taken bottom and you somehow turned bottom. I have pride in that. <laughs> Move. 
That's what we need to do. And that's and you know, I think that's comes from you know having a big brother and you know, you know, I'm the last child of the fourth one and everyone. So I'm used to bottom. <laughs> okay, I understand that, but sometimes being the last child, that's usually the weakest. You know, the person they never had to do anything, they were baby, blah. But it all worked for you. I heard you say first of all that because you had bottom, you were able to not fair, you became fearless, but you also said you thought of worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. and, and it seems as if I'm, I'm almost certain that there's all of these things that allow you to, 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 to cross and keep going. Because what you do is you don't wait for worst case scenario to come to you. You, you, you went there. Yes. You, you, and you did it on your terms. Yes. So you don't wait until things crash on you. You, you consider, okay, this is a solution if this happens. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and again, I see that as a... You take the fear away from it. Take the power away from it. So it's like, okay, so I'm going to lose my house. That's the worst case scenario. I'm going to lose my house. Okay, so what are we going to do? All right, we're going to do this. We lose the house. And so when if the situation comes and God forbids you lose your house, you'll be like, we already know what to do about that. So, because fear and panicking can't help you. That's actually going to steal from your ability to think, to solve yes. the problem. So don't give it power. So even in terms of beyond the entrepreneur, um, you know, so many of our, our family and friends and our Bahamian folk, you know, they were jobless um, and uncertain for so, for so long during the, the, almost this entire year because of the global pandemic. And I just love what you're saying even to that person to go ahead and visit the worst case scenario if this does not open up, if the hotels do not open up. What is the worst that can happen? and begin to put a thought and plans in place mm -hmm. to, to, to care for it and to handle mm -hmm. it. I think that is, I think that is moving strength to somebody. So before we close, um, I want to ask you, if, if you put in mind the, the things, the tragedies of life that had the potential or seemed to have had the potential at the time they were happening, to have caused you to get stuck, to have caused you to um, not understand this unique, valuable person, this gifted person, this talented person that you are, that because that person would have been hidden from you and, and you would not have been able to see that to see that person, definitely the business before this or this business in particular that is now thriving as an example of a single woman doing it in business in the Bahamas and striving, this would not have existed. If those tragedies, those things that could have stopped you were personified and they were persons sitting here today, what would you say to them? You can't help me. You cannot help me. Because my soul was already born by Jesus Christ. You can't help me. So I would recognize all of the tragedies that I had to be evils that I welcomed because of my flaws and my weaknesses in my life. And I allow those things to surface. So now I'll be able to say, you can't have me. Yes, I was a certain type of person, but that was because I had this pain. I already saw that. You know, I, yes, I did this because I, you know, had, um, I wasn't responsible with my resources, but now I know what to do with that. So I, I would tell all of those that you, you didn't win, and 
I see you now. And so now I could recognize them. And I actually smile at them when I see them. Yes. It's like, oh, I know you. Mm-hmm. Not me. Not today. And I, and I walk away from it. I, I do a lot of walking away. So when I see things, I know I'm not. Some things I can find. And some things I know I still recognize, but I'm so weak to. And so I walk away from it. Or I don't allow it in, in my area because I'm not strong enough yet. I'm so development. So, Melissa, we started this conversation and you made a, a powerful statement saying that the success of any business, of an entrepreneur, a small business owner, will only go as far as their self-development. Mm-hmm. And I hear that echoing in what you're saying again. And so, I guess the most important thing is that self-development. Yes. If you want to be an entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur, self-development. Yes. And so... Thank you for having surface and thank you for the resilience that you have and the, the perspective that you had now that we can take our worst case scenarios and we can take our raw problems and realize that uh, Melissa did it and what she did is she turned it upside down and now we are able to enjoy sugar salt day to day. And trust me, it's enjoyable. Thank you. Bye.